We're so grateful uh, in first service as far and this service too that we are just glad that uh, Sean is here with the Providence Rescue Mission. As you know, we, we support the mission and we've been supporting the mission for a long time, partnering and locking arms and praise the Lord. And um, we're just going to hear from Sean as he shares a word for us today and then we're going to pray at the end and just that God would bless our endeavors because it's all, it's, it's going to be good because it's for the Lord. Amen. Amen. So Sean, why don't you come on up and uh, take it away. God bless you. And let's give him an ear. Let's give him a welcome. Amen. Amen. Uh, walking up that step slow. God bless my privilege. Man. I, th- I think I'm on. Am, am I on? Beautiful. I, I turned myself on before the service. That's a scary thing to say. Jeez, hello. Wow. I meant the microphone. That's all. Good morning. It's good to be here. Every so often I get to spend kind of like a whole morning with uh, a church. And today was that way. We had our first service. And then if you're here, we had question and answers, which was just great. That meant everything to me. Now I get to, to preach. And that's really, really a privilege. You know, you, you know, uh, it's a funny thing, and I, I said this at the first service. I, I prepared. I, I, I typed everything up. And then if you notice, there's all sorts of scribbling on this paper. And I was literally sitting in the first service, and the Lord said, get a pen. And, and I hate when he does this because I like to be prepared. I like to go up like I know what I'm doing. And he just had me writing and writing and writing. So, like I said in the first service, who knows how this is going to come out, but we'll just trust the Lord. And it's funny, there's this focus in the praise and worship. And I didn't know this at the first service, but now that I've been through the second service, this idea of conquerors and victory and, and fear and things like that. And, and when I came in and I saw Bob and I saw Dan, uh, we were talking. I said, what are you going to preach on it? And the title is, Fear Not. Fear Not. Right, And so I always kind of find it interesting how God coordinates everything, and you kind of look at it and go, wow, that's kind of cool, right? And so when I did this, I was kind of like getting into this whole COVID, it's in its second year, and mask and no mask, vaccination, no vaccination, variants, you know, all the craziness that we see, the, the separation and our countries and our communities people that you can't even talk about certain things anymore and you're, you know then there's inflation and and you know gasoline prices are through the roof what i saw yesterday they're predicting in some parts of the country heating oil is going to be 54 percent higher than last year and then there's the whole mortgage abatement ended and went, oh all these things that i said oh this is great to talk about fear right and, and then god In the first service, had me write down personal testimony about fear. I'm like, dang, that's not what I want to talk about. And then Jesus said, who asked you? I have these conversations with God. I'm very simple. Me and God are very, you know. And I realized, you know, it is about a personal testimony that fear today has been a excalibrated into this idea of the surroundings we're responding and it's not true really the fears that we struggle with the most are internal fear is internal fear is not external 
And so I understood when God talked about that personal testimony. Um, I got saved a little bit later in life. I was in my late 20s when I got saved. I can, if I'm wandering too much, if you're, am I good? Because I'm a wanderer. So I'm the poor guy doing the cameras. Jeez. But I, I am a wanderer. But I remember even as far back as right before going to school in first grade for the first time. I remember weeks beforehand laying in bed at night as a six-year-old, incredibly afraid, incredibly afraid. I had no idea why. I didn't know. I had never had an experience with first grade. I, I didn't know anything about it, but I was afraid. And, and then I looked back as I, after I got saved and the Lord worked on my life, I looked at how much fear controlled my life. It, it controlled everything about me. It got so bad for me. And for me, I was, I ended up struggling with addiction severely. I was an alcoholic. I was a drug addict. Uh, I became so immersed in fear. I became suicidal in my life. Uh, and fear was so dominant in my life. And, and, I, and I will say this. I want you to let this just percolate through a little bit. Um, I was so afraid that I took up martial arts, and I became very good at martial arts. I studied martial arts for a number of years, uh, and I, the sole purpose for me of studying martial arts was to defend myself from imaginary people that I thought were going to jump out of the entranceways of the building and attack me. And let that filter down <laughs> a little bit. That's weird, right? Like, that's freaky. Like, you know, like, imagine, oh, what's it, why is he taking my, well, he thinks imaginary people are going to attack him. Oh, oh, yeah, well, he should, hopefully, become a black belt, you know. But my point is, is that that was my life before Christ, my, and I didn't realize that I hadn't connected the dots in my life, but when I got saved, all of a sudden, I realized, internally, I was incredibly fearful. There was a lot of fear going on in me. And then when I got saved... You know what? It didn't go away. And we, we don't like to say that. We're more than conquerors. I can do all things in Christ that strengthens me. But in the deep, dark, still of the night, a lot of times we struggle with fear. And nobody knows. And I want to talk about that today because there's solutions. I want you to know that Jesus understands that. We know Jesus understands that because he was God-made man. We know Jesus experienced everything that we experience today. The only difference was he never sinned. So when you go through this, I want you to understand that you're not alone. You're not condemned. Christ doesn't condemn you because you have fear. Christ wants to set us free. But he doesn't look at us and go, boy, I'm really disappointed in you. And a lot of times we haven't heard that because fear carries an absolute connotation, especially in our society, of what? Shame. Shame and fear kind of go hand in hand. They're paralyzing. They'd be absolutely paralyzing. And I just want you to know that if there's a struggle in your life as a Christian with fear, Jesus is not ashamed of you. Jesus isn't upset with you. Jesus is looking at you saying, I, I get it. I, I know what you're feeling. Let me help you. Let me give you freedom. And as a matter of fact, when you look in the Gospels, when you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 
Jesus deals with fear. He says this simple phrase, fear not 14 times. Fear not 14 times. And interestingly, the areas that he hits the most on this is um, unexpected trauma in your life. The fear of preaching, but being known as a Christian. And the fear of sickness and death. Those are kind of the big three, right? And like, if you really think about it, if you go back and you look at the Gospels, Jesus is coming into the earth, caused two people incredible trauma. Mary and Joseph. Because, paraphrasing, Mary was a virgin. Because Christ had to be born of a virgin. But for Mary to be pregnant before she got married, at the time of the Israelites, at the time of Christ, that was a really serious thing. It was such a serious thing that it was called a stonable offense. The idea that if she was found out to be pregnant before she was married, that they could literally push her out of the town or village and throw big rocks on her till she died. Serious stuff, right? So she finds out she's pregnant, and what's the Lord do? The Lord sends an angel, and the Lord, the angel says to Mary, he says, fear not. Fear not. Mary, for you found favor with God. See, a lot of times what we fear the most, God ultimately is going to use for greatness. See, and, and I, I'm going to change it up a little bit. I wanted to save this to the end, but I'm going to put it, I got to put it in here now. Most of us think fear is an emotion. We've been conditioned through society, through what we're being taught that fear is an emotion. Biblically, it is not. Biblically, fear is not an emotion. Fear is a spirit. Actually, it says in uh, 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of a sound uh, but, but of power and love and of a sound mind. So I want you to understand that for a second. It's the only thing that we have in our lives that is identified as an emotion that is not in an emotion. It's a spirit, and it's a spirit that's not from God. Think about that. Think about how many times we've been brought up, people have said things to you like, you don't have to be afraid. You, 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 you're, no, that's, you, you, you're allowed, I know you feel fear, you're, you're experiencing fear, but it'll be okay. It's not okay. It's not an emotion. It's not like happiness. It's not like joy. It's a spirit that we've allowed to dominate our lives and affect us in every part of our being, even as Christians. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus looks at us each time and says, fear not. Because fear is a spirit. And every time that I've experienced, oh, for a second I thought that was a round of applause. I was getting juiced. I was like, oh, yeah, Jesus, all right. Woo! <laughs> but I want to tell you that if spirit, if fear is a spirit, and how many, seriously, can you honestly admit that you've experienced fear? Have you experienced fear? Do you realize that if the spirit of fear is not of God, where's the spirit of fear from? The devil. It's not from you. You 
aren't the person that's in charge of spirits. It's a demonic spirit. And the, think about it this way. This is what I've learned to think about because I've watched. I went from that fearful person that took martial arts to protect myself from imaginary people. <laughs> yeah, like that. I got an applause again. Someone has. <laughs> to a guy that's 62 years old, and I've been a missionary for over 30 years. I've seen countless people come to Christ. I've seen the gospel preached to thousands. How did that happen? A guy like me. It's because all of a sudden, when I started to realize this, when I started to grab onto this, the only reason why we experience fear is because the devil, we give the devil too much credit. Let me tell you something right now. Biblically, the devil does not know what God is going to do with you. He doesn't have that kind of power. But he knows that those that belong to Christ are dangerous to his belief system. So any time you start to exhibit any biblical behavior, expect to be afraid. Expect the spirit of fear to come upon you. But it has no authority over you. It has no authority of you. You should rejoice when you start to feel a little fear. Because that means you're on the right track. That means something big is going to happen with you and God. And see, what's something big? It could be a friend of yours gets saved. It could be your testimony. I was just talking to Dan before he left. And, and, and as weird as it sounds, I've known Dan for almost as long as I've been in Rhode Island. And Dan was a young Christian at the time, as far as I believe. It was over 30 years ago, or 20-some years ago. And we had a legal issue uh, where a landlord was uh, treating us unfairly. And I can't even remember how I got Dan's name. We knew nobody. We came to Rhode Island in 1999. There was no, there was no really internet. People didn't have computers. Phones were flip phones with green. And this is hard to believe, green screens. Remember the green screen, right? You weren't texting nobody. First thing they came out with text is you had to use your numbers. I can't spell with regular letters. <laughs> People, my wife would get messages from me. She thought I was possessed. Right? So we came to Rhode Island. We didn't know anybody. All of a sudden, my wife's pregnant with our fourth child. Uh, we were staying at a youth cabin. We had 90 days to stay at a youth cabin till we found a place to live. We had to find a building to start the mission, find a place to live, raise enough money to do it, or I was going to be homeless. And we ended up in this house, and there was all sorts, we didn't know, but there was all sorts of deception going on. And I was in a big legal jackpot that I didn't have anything to do with. I was like an innocent guy, but I was being sued. And I didn't even know how it happened. And somebody gave me Dan's name. And I called Dan. And he said, come in and see me. And, and, and Dan took care of it, Right? But Dan was just saying, we were just talking about it. And I said, you know, Dan, I said, that always meant so much to me because we were under attack and I didn't know you. You stepped in. He goes, I thought you were a little strange, Sean. <laughs> and a lot of people said that because I was strange because I was this guy that came in and said, we're starting a gospel rescue mission and we're going to preach the gospel and we're going to feed people and we're going to do it all privately. And, and I, if I would have come to a church in Rhode Island and, and I heard somebody say that, I would have thought I was weird too. But God did that, and there were so many times we were attacked by fear. Can you imagine being threatened to be evicted and your wife is pregnant with your fourth child and you don't know anybody? And you don't have any money and you don't even have a car that works. 
But we would say, God, this means something big's going to happen. You're going to provide. See, the key with fear is, at each time, Jesus says, fear not. He said to Mary, he said to Joseph, fear not. And they stood the ground. Joseph could have taken, the angel came to Joseph, Mary's husband. He had every right to put her away quietly so nobody would hear about it, to hold his reputation. He stayed by. He married her. Because something big was happening. See, the thing about fear is this. The thing about when you start feeling fear is that that's the point where God's about to use an external issue to open up the door for miracles that you're going to get to see. See what I'm saying? There, there's a show. I, my, my, my wife, every night, I've been married, it's my, I was saying, I find it always funny that I'm in a church, I get to go to church and preach because of the guy I used to be. I think God has just got a whale of a sense of humor. But I was at a church yesterday speaking, and, and I was standing, and it really held meaning to me. I was standing in this, at this church pulpit on a Saturday afternoon, and, and it was 28 years ago yesterday that I was standing at, the, at, at, an altar, at an altar in a church 28 years ago on a Saturday, and, and, and that was the day I married my wife. It was 28 years ago. And uh, God love her. She's put up with me for 28 years. She's, I think she's got a special private VIP room in heaven. No, no, I do. I do. God love her. She, she's been great. But, but we watch every night for years. My wife likes those British shows, right, from like the 1800s. Like they're depicting the 1800s. And, and do I look like a guy that likes that show? Right? I like Clint Eastwood. I like cowboy movies. But every night, there's this show, and, and it relaxes my wife, and she loves it. And I've kind of grown really fond of it. It's called Lark Rise to Candleford. And we've been watching the same series for five years. Every night, this relaxes my wife. I use a little head scratcher. We watch the series. I, I scratch her arms. I, I know what side my bread's buttered on. Amen. Yeah, yeah, I, I love my wife, and I want my wife to love me. I'll use the head scratcher. What's this? But an interesting thing, they have this one character, and they said this one thing, her husband was full of fear. And I love this statement. Her husband was full of fear, and it was causing him a crisis of faith. And she said, honey, she said, fear knocked on the door. Faith answered, and no one was there. Fear knocked on the door. And faith answered, and no one was there. And that's the little secret that the devil never wants you to know. Fear is an opportunity for you to realize that Christ is about to do great things. And if you answer in faith, there is no fear. Because it's a spirit. A spirit can't withstand the power of the Holy Spirit. The spirit can't withstand the power of Christ in your life. The spirit of fear can't withstand you as a new creation. You're endued. I'm endured with power from on high. I'm empowered by the Holy Ghost. You're empowered, if you're born again, by the Holy Spirit of God to do what? Great things. What are great things? In our Father's eyes, great things are the preaching of the gospel, which is the second thing that fear really tries to kill us with, is the reality that we were created in salvation to be bold in the preaching of the gospel. And it's one of the greatest crises right now of our church in America. The idea of the focus of preaching of the gospel has been eroded, and COVID has even eroded it more. 
I've talked to so many pastors, so many pastors because of emergency. And I'm not judging what the government did. I'm not taking a stand on that. But the end result is, is people stopped coming to church. They stopped coming to church. And, and the, 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 I, even before that, there's been a whole movement, even in our Christian community today, of the idea that we're going to just love somebody to the gospel. You cannot love somebody to the gospel. It is an unbiblical concept. Jesus says that I've come to divide. Jesus says that the gospel is sharper than any two-edged sword. We're called by Christ as a new creation to preach. And it was a struggle, even for the apostles, even for the early church. And Jesus, would, Jesus said this. He said, fear not. He said in um, Matthew 10, 26, he says, fear, not, fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. What I tell you in the darkness, speak in the light. And what you hear in the ear, proclaim on the housetops now there's a reason why jesus said housetops because i again first looked at that and most of our houses look like that right so i kind of thought that was a weird scripture like could you imagine trying to balance on your housetop jesus but for the jewish nation the housetops were all flat and they were people congregated it was the coolest part of the property in the desert area. So they would eat up there. They would hang out up there in the evening. So the idea of proclaiming meant to proclaim to your friends and neighbors the gospel. That's not really, that's kind of scary, isn't it? I mean, for me it is. I've been a missionary for 30 years. You don't think there's been times when a government official has come to the mission or, or because we're privately funded, uh, a CEO of a company that wants to give the mission a check? You don't think the thought comes to my mind? We'll use the word God. Everybody's good with God. We do God's work. We, we do God's work. Nobody's going to be offended by God. The gospel offends. I have to tell them, this is our chapel. We preach the gospel in the chapel every night. Guess what? God's never covered a check that somebody held back because of the gospel in the 22 years of the rescue mission movement. See, we're called to preach the gospel. Jesus goes even a step further. He says, don't fear them that can kill the body. He said, fear him who can kill the body and the soul, and cast it into hell. See, we were set, we, we really have to grab onto this, and I know, God love me, I know this sounds old-fashioned, but the gospel's never changed. The gospel's never changed. And, and, and the world wants to tell us it's changed. The world wants to tell us it's old-fashioned. It's even permeated into some church ministries that it's old-fashioned. That you don't have to tell people about Jesus. They'll just get it. No, they won't. You can't just get the gospel unless somebody tells you the gospel. And the devil will use the spirit of fear to keep you from doing that no matter what. Because his goal, his job, even though he knows he's defeated. You realize the devil knows he's defeated. He may not admit it to you and I. But in the deep, dark quietness of the night, I believe the devil 
pees his pants because he realized how defeated he is. He's boisterous and he's pompous and he's overbearing and he attacks you at your weakest point. But it's not because of you. He hates that Jesus saved you. He does. And he wants to keep you in fear so you aren't used by Christ to save others. And we have to grab onto that. Because people will say to me, what's the greatest thing that's happened to you since you've been a missionary? That's a great question to me. And the greatest thing that's happened to me since I've been a Christian a missionary is that I've gotten to see people be brought back to life. I've gotten to see people that were walking dead people regain their life, be brought back from the dead. The Bible tells us that if we're in sin, if we're in, if we're in sin, we're dead in our trespasses, right? Would we all agree with that? So I started thinking about that one day because I'm a visual guy. I'm a visualization guy, and that motivates me. I visualize things. So I thought about that scripture, what it meant, and I, I kind of got this idea because I've been married a long time, and I, and I, and I, I kind of got this idea of like this guy that was married for a long time, and he dies, right? And he has it laid out. He's got a, he's got a note laid out for how, exactly how he wants to be put in the casket. Uh, the, the, the way he wants his hair parted, uh, the shirt, his favorite shirt, his favorite tie, maybe a bracelet that he likes. He wants, he wants that blue pinstripe suit, and he wants it all, right? But nobody knew it. But the whole time he was married to his wife, he was a really not a nice guy. He didn't treat his wife right. He disregarded her. He didn't listen to her. He belittled her. And the day he died, she went into the morticians with a garbage bag. And in that garbage bag was a clown outfit. Red, curly hair, bulbous nose, the red for the cheeks, the big shoes so big they have to open the bottom of the casket. She laid them out in that. Why couldn't he change it? He was dead. You can't do anything when you're dead. See, Jesus knows that, and the devil knows that. So when he keeps people dead, they're of no use to God. See, you're already a lost cause to him. If you're sitting in here today and you're born again, he cannot take that away from you. You're born again. You're going to heven. <laughs> you're getting the extra ladle of gravy on the mashed taters. Right? whole building could collapse right now. I'm going to glory. I'm in. He, so the only thing he can do to me is keep me focused on what I call the two Ps, the present and the past. We tend to live in fear in our present, and we tend to live in fear about our past. And if he can keep me focused on the two Ps, then I don't keep my focus on what God's, what's important to my Father, which is the Great Commission, which is the preaching of the Gospel. And I'm here to tell you that you are a powerful tool. You're a powerful person in the army of God. And don't be deceived. It's a war. It's a war. Jesus talked a lot of military terms in the four Gospels. 
And one of the things he says, and one of the things that I found incredibly uh, uh, um, powerful is that Jesus tells us that we are, this is, this is in Romans 8.37 to 8.39. He says, no, in all these things, we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. I'm going to stop a second. <laughs> wouldn't it be great if you were a conqueror? Like, wouldn't that be cool? If God said, hey, you're a conqueror. That means you won. The conqueror wins. Right? So, they don't use the word, we don't use the word conquer too much in today's English. But, think about it. If your team conquers the other team, you win. You get the high fives, you get the MVP, you get the fans all clapping, right? Pretty good deal. But listen to what Christ says. He says we're more than conquerors. It means we were created to be in excess of conquering. So that's a hard word for us right now because we have to learn to say, is that my life? Is that my testimony? Does my testimony line up that when people say, man, that guy's more than a conqueror? That guy, I don't know what it is about that guy, but it's like out of his mouth to God's ears. Are we more than a conqueror? Because if we're not, I'll guarantee you fear's holding you back. I will guarantee you. It's a, it's a real simple relationship. And what I'm saying to you is, is that when we realize this and grab onto this, it's not that we're going to win. It's not that we win. We've won. It's a past tense event. We won. We won over 2,000 years ago at the cross. We won. The issue now is, how much are we putting in the coffer? What, what, what are we stacking up? And Paul, Peter, I'm sorry, Paul writes about this. He talks about, he goes, don't you know that we all, he says, not every, all run the race, but not everybody wins the crown. It's an interesting concept because a lot of times we see that people talk about that as well. When you get saved, you're, 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 you've run the race. It's not what it means. You can't run the race without an entry form. The entry form's being saved. When you get saved, you get to run the race. And the end of the race isn't salvation. Interestingly, Paul's using another reference, a Greek reference. Every year the towns, the Roman towns, would have a major race. And all the families would pick their fastest son to run the race. Because whoever ran that race got the crown and his family was released from taxation from the Romans. Right? It meant a lot. The point for us isn't, Fear holds us back. Releasing fear because we identify it as a spirit and we say, we rebuke that spirit in the name of Jesus because not only am I going to run the race, I want to win the crown. What's the crown? The crown is seeing souls won to Christ. Well, think about it. If you've, if, and I don't know if everybody has. I'm, I'm assuming everybody has here. Think about it when you saw somebody get saved. Think about it when you never thought that was going to be the conversation of the day. But it turned out to be the conversation. And at the end of it, you saw the Holy Spirit come upon them. And you saw that their life was changed because Christ dwelt in them. Could anybody please tell me anything better than that? But we forget. I forget. 
I get caught up in the present. I gotta raise money. I've gotta write appeal letters. I've gotta go to lunch with donors. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta. Well, if I don't go to lunch with donors, the money might not come in. If the money doesn't come in, I can't pay the payroll taxes. If I can't pay the payroll tax, oh my gosh. When all I have to do is be sensitive to sharing the gospel with people. Jesus says, I got all the present. I got all the future, and the past don't count for nothing. Do you see what I'm saying, folks? So I want to encourage you with that. I know there's a bus going to URI. Did you say that this time? Shuttle. Get on the bus. Don't go expecting to defend the gospel. Go expecting to preach the good news of the gospel to people that are lost and going to hell. What a horrible place to go. What a horrible way to live. You and I carry that key. You and I, by allowing the Holy Spirit, every time before I preach, because I don't like to preach. I don't, I don't, it's, people laugh at this, but I don't like to speak publicly. It's like my least favorite thing to do is speak publicly. I've always been that way. And the only thing I can do is I started years and years and years ago when John the Baptist sent his disciples out when he was in prison. And he said, go find out from Jesus if he's the Messiah. And so they went and they said, are you the Messiah? And Jesus says, well, report back. John wants to know. And he says, report back. The, the blind see, the lame walk, the dead are raised. And back and they reported that to John. And John said this simple thing, and this, this is a key for success. I, if you take one thing, two things away from this this morning, is that fear is a spirit and it has no authority over you. And this key, that John said at that point, he said, I must decrease, he must increase. And I use that every time. Right before I come up to preach, I pray and I say, Jesus, let me decrease and let you increase. And every time I do that, then I am not responsible for what I speak anymore. The moment I release that, because that, isn't that the thing? Think about it. Of all the things, isn't it fear that keeps us from sharing the gospel? Isn't it how people are going to respond to us that keeps us the most from sharing the gospel? It is for me. I, I can't speak for you. But I would tell you, even as a missionary, that fear can be real if I allow it to be. But the moment I put my words to be Christ's responsibility. Because the Bible promises that. I'm just calling to Jesus on his word. He says, don't worry about what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit will give you utterance. So the moment that I say, wait a second, I can't do this. I've got to decrease. You've got to increase, Jesus. But I'll go. I'll go. You'll see the power of the Holy Spirit manifested in you. You'll see souls won. You'll see things that are miracles because that's what happens. Miracles come out of salvation. Miracles come out of salvation. Jesus doesn't do miracles because it's a sideshow or a freak show. Jesus does miracles as a testimony to the power of the Holy Ghost. And we need to grab onto that. So with that, I'll thank you for allowing me to take time with you today. God bless you and thank you for being part of the mission. Bob, I'll turn it over to you. God bless you. Thank you, Sean. I hope you uh, latched on to something and uh, to take it to heart. 
And um, Sean's going to be in the back. Don't walk out yet, Sean. I know that I wanna, we're going to pray for you guys real quick. Just, oh, just, okay. You can I'll, stay I'll right there. Back. That's fine. But we'll no, just, just be in the building for You're a second. You're in charge. Be in, Jesus was in charge. Well, Jesus so, is, but right, he's right, got right. you in authority. Yeah, Let's yeah, say yeah, you're yeah, in authority. Praise God. Well, hallelujah. Here we go. Praise the Lord. You know, um, thanks for coming. I, I appreciate it as well, just the ability for Sean to come and, to, and willingness to take time also in our Q&A session during Sunday school. And um, could have done that for a lot longer. And uh, shut your car alarm off. Is it really yours? He says it's his. It, that's a that, that that's a hint. Like, get this over with, Bob. Um, <laughs> that was God. We have fun. If you know us at New Hope Chapel, we have fun. But but I'm so grateful that you came and just to share that, answer the questions, and then to share this challenge. And I encourage you folks to 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 take to heart what Sean shared. Um, there are some nuggets there. I think that you can, if we would seriously latch on, let the Holy Spirit work in our hearts. It, it would it would be very fruitful for us in our growth for the Lord. And so let's pray. We're going to pray for Sean and for the ladies and just for the, the mission um, and all that they do. And so let's, let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, thank you for Sean, his wife, his family. Thank you, Lord, for, for uh, Lord, just the entire staff and support at the mission, Lord, that do so much, tirelessly work, Lord God. And I pray, Lord, your blessing, your protection. Thank you for your, your promise of provision. Lord, as long as we stay on track and we keep the gospel at the forefront, the truth about who you are, Jesus, and what you've done to free men from the clutches of fear as a result of sin dominating their lives, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the freedom that comes. And I pray, Lord, for, for again, your protection, your provision. Lord, give wisdom as they navigate, Lord, all the challenges of the day as they work with those, God, who are coming in, Lord, to seek shelter, who most of all need salvation. God, I pray, Lord, your anointing, your blessing. We commit them into your hands. We look forward to hearing of great reports of, of what you're doing and the harvest that is, Lord, just being reaped, Lord God. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would open our eyes to see how we can live, Lord, um, fear-free. Fear-free, Lord Jesus. And that we would advance your gospel, Lord. And that, Lord, we remember that uh, it's got to be all about you and, and we've got to get out of the way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day. Let's walk in, uh, in the Spirit of God. Amen.